Welcome back to Fundamentally Mormon, part of the Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be reading Chapter 14 of Reincarnation, pages 113 to 121. The title of the chapter is The Sons of Perdition. Thus saith the Lord concerning all those who know my power and have been made partakers thereof, and have suffered themselves through the power of the devil to be overcome, and to deny the truth and to defy my power. They are they who are the sons of perdition, of whom I say it had been better for them to have been born, to never have been born. Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verse 31 and 32. Men could do things in just a few minutes that will have an everlasting effect for either good or bad. A man can commit murder and will never receive a forgiveness, for the prophet said a murderer, for instance, one that sheds innocent blood, cannot have forgiveness. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 339. Then he referred to Peter, who told the people on the day of Pentecost, or Shavuot, that because of their involvement in Christ's crucifixion, their sins could not be forgiven, but only be blotted out. See Acts chapter 3, verse 19. The prophet Joseph Smith concluded, this is the case for murderers. They cannot They could not be baptized for a remission of of sins, for they had shed innocent blood. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 339. Joseph Smith also explained that if we seize upon those same blessings and enjoyment without law and without revelation, without commandment, those blessings and enjoyments would prove cursing and vexation in the end and we should have to lie down in sorrow and welling of every of everlasting regret. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 256. And we're on page 114 now, but I wanted to say something real quick. So, ever since after my mission, I have done everything I can to study the gospel. And as soon as podcasts started coming out, I was a regular listener to anything that would come out that had to do with Mormonism. Um, John DeLynn was one of the first, and Bill Rill uh, joined with him. And uh, both of them were pretty interesting at first. I really enjoyed listening to them. And then over years of time, I've seen both of them go into a severe apostasy over issues that there's legitimate issues that should be discussed. But the problem I have with 
uh, certain individuals like Bill Rill, especially, or John DeLynn. Um, but more specifically, Bill Rill is people like him join the church. Now, I joined the church, or my conversion, I should say, happened in the fall of 1996. Um, I had uh, tried to commit suicide. I was a drug addict. I wrote God a letter, and I told him if he would heal me, speaking of my drug addictions, um, and show me the truth that I would serve him for the rest of my life. Now, at the time, um, I was into... uh, gothicism I guess Um, I had studied witchcraft I had read all of these occult books including the satanic bible and I would really delved into astrology and all of those type of things but before I got into that all of that mess trying to understand things I uh, and by the way I was not a practitioner of those things I was just interested trying to understand the light and the darkness because I knew that there was um, evidence for both from my own experiences. But I, before that, I was a born-again Southern Baptist. And I had come to a point in my life where I used drugs to escape reality because I wanted to commit suicide, but I was scared to death to die because I didn't want to go to hell. And so I used drugs to numb my severe pain, mental pain and physical pain um, because of neglect and abuse that I had suffered at the hands of uh, family and non-family members as a child and as a teenager. And um, I finally got to the point where I was so just in the dark, so deep in the dark, that I actively uh, tried to kill myself. And luckily, um, a friend came home to where we lived when he was supposed to be at work, and he found me passed out uh, in a beanbag covered by uh, painters' sheets or tarps, and called the ambulance and saved my life. I still have the scars to to show that horrible experience that I had 20, actually almost 30 years ago. But um, I wrote God a letter after that experience, after I got released from the hospital while I was still in bandages. And I wrote God a letter and I told him if he would heal me, speaking of my drug addictions, and show me the truth, I would serve him for the rest of my life. And not long after that, I met Elder Bowman and Elder King in Layton, Utah, in the fall of 1996. And uh, at first, like, they kept coming over and bugging me, and I was, like, nice to them, but I wasn't interested But eventually, um, they taught me things that I had heard from other people before about the first vision. But they also told me that, like, because God 
is no respecter of persons that he can answer our prayers. And that's what Joseph Smith did when he read that James chapter 1 verse 5, if you lack wisdom, ask God. And so I asked God, and they taught me how to pray, and I prayed, and I asked God if Joseph Smith was a true prophet and if the Book of Mormon was true. Now, I believed that Joseph Smith was deceived by an angel of light who was masquerading as the devil, um, who came uh, as in the form of an angel who was known as Moroni. But um, but I still prayed, and I, I put away all of my beliefs. I was broken completely, and I just wanted God to answer my question. And when I asked God if, if Joseph Smith was a true prophet and the Book of Mormon was true, from the start at the top of my head, flowing through my body like hot oil, from starting at the top of my head, all the way down to the tips of my fingertips and the tips of my toes, there was this this fire, like hot oil that burned within me. And it was, I felt such peace and such love. And as I was on my knees, I heard physically angels singing praises to God in concourses of what I would consider millions of voices. It was an overwhelming experience for me. And at that moment, I was completely healed of all of my drug addictions. And I knew that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. Now, Bill Real, he had um, a conversion experience. Probably not quite as as magnificent as the one that I received, but he claims to have had a conversion experience and he, uh, around the same age that I was now, he's a couple years younger than me, but, um, he had this experience and he even became a bishop in the church. Now I never became a bishop, I was uh, Elders Quorum Secretary. I was asked to be Elders Quorum President, um, but I was moving at the time, and I, I declined that request. I was also a Gospel Doctrine teacher and an Elders Quorum teacher and had different uh, roles and activities, committees, and different things. But um, he became a bishop, and he started getting into all of these anti-Mormon uh, literature. Now, I had been exposed to those things before I even converted to Mormonism, so I knew about them. During my mission in southern Georgia, I read many anti-Mormon things, and I took it to God, and I asked God truth on things. And there were some things that were hard for me to deal with, but um, especially the DNA issue. But I asked God, and he gave me a satisfactory issue to that. So... Anyway, but I had these experiences, and um, I know that many other people have had experiences as well. And like when I was a missionary, now Bill Rill never served a mission, but I did. When I was a missionary, I taught the first discussion probably thousands of times, especially in my first area. So 
My first area was Savannah, Georgia, and we had the highest media referral rates in the world. So basically, my job with my companion was to load up our book bags and travel around on bicycles and deliver Book of Mormons and Bibles. And with each delivery, we had a first discussion. We had some second discussions. We always had third and fourth discussions eventually, but but we had multiple first discussions every single day. <coughs> Excuse me. Anyway, but um, every time I taught the first discussion or subsequent discussions and testified of my experience with God, um, and this is before 2003, this is like in the late 90s, but I would feel the spirit burn within me. And it testified to me the truth of what I was saying, and it was like the burning in the bosom, like all the time. And even after my mission, I had this burning desire (laughs) to do missionary work as a truck driver and I was a truck driver for a company that worked 49 states in Canada and Mexico. I never drove into Mexico, but I went into Mexico when I was down there. I've been to all of the border towns, um, Tijuana, Nogales, Juarez, and Nueve Laredo. Anyway, but like I did a ton of missionary work all over the continental United States, the border towns in Mexico and in Canada. And I would feel the spirit every time I would teach the people. And it, and I would receive revelation. God would teach me things as well when I would ask him questions. And so because of my beginning experiences with the restoration and the fact that God healed me, And because of my subsequent uh, spiritual experiences, I cannot deny the reality that Joseph Smith was a prophet. And I know that there's lots of people out there who have had spiritual experiences, but they find the messy issues within, uh, within Mormonism and they reject the voice of the spirit because of the accusations and lies of historians and people within history and even within the church itself. And now Bill Rill, who I believe has had many experiences with the spirit and uh, he's explained them all away and he has become an atheist because of his experience in Mormonism. And he is very bitter and you can hear him on his his podcasts, um, Mormonism Live, and he's got a bunch of different podcasts. But like he is a uh, he is an individual who I believe has had plenty of witnesses of the spirit of the reality of the Prophet Joseph Smith, who has taken the lies of the devil through uh, mortal individuals. And also because of the bad actions of the church leaders and their lies and has rejected the truth of the spirit that has testified to him that converted him to the restoration. And he has become a son of perdition. And I've watched 
in my opinion. Now, I don't believe that anybody is damned in a state of perdition until they are dead. And I believe he can repent, and I hope that he does. But uh, I don't believe that there's repentance beyond mortality for an individual who has had spiritual witness that Joseph Smith was a true prophet or that Jesus is the Christ that rejects Jesus or Joseph Smith or any of the other apostles that are true apostles. And I'm not talking about Brigham Young or people after him because I believe the church was rejected. Now, I do accept some of the teachings that they teach because I believe that they receive them from Joseph Smith. But putting all of that aside, individuals who have, and I've never had a spiritual witness that, uh, that Brigham Young was a prophet. I've never had a spiritual experience that Thomas Monson or Gordon B. Hinckley were prophets. Now, I don't talk about this very often. But I have talked about it in the past. I used to be married to a woman by the name of Rebecca Lindbergh. Rebecca Lindbergh's uh, grandma was President Hinckley's cousin. And they were actually raised together like brother and sister because of some uh, circumstances with the mom and whatever. Anyway... But we used to go to church with President Hinckley at the Joseph Smith Memorial Building. And I was at Marjorie Hinckley's funeral. Also, um, my grandparents had converted to Mormonism. Now, I rejected their uh, them trying to get me to, to accept Mormonism. And like I said, I, I'd been Southern Baptist uh, for my teenage years, but I'd been going to the Southern Baptist church ever since I was like seven or eight years old with my friends. And on Sunday, like I remember my friends, I'd go over to his house all the time and they would invite me to church and like I would go with them. And then when I was in Job Corps as a teenager, I... Uh, I started hanging out with uh, one individual and he took me to church all the time. And I eventually, on November 20, uh, 25th, 1994, asked Jesus to be my savior and uh, according to their tradition was saved from my sins. I remember the exact date. I remember the exact time. I remember exactly where I was when that happened. Uh, November 25th, 1994. And I, later on in 1996, met the missionaries and had my conversion experience, like I said. And I cannot reject what I know is true. But I never had a testimony of Gordon B. Hinckley, even though I knew him. Um, my family knew him. My grandparents were on the mission, missionary committee, and they knew him and Eldon Tanner and Bruce R. McConkie. Um, in fact, my grandparents were both um, 
My grandpa was a, a double-leg amputee of World War II. He was a, a war hero. He saved his platoon and lost his legs in the process. And he had wooden legs from the time he was like 21 all the way through the rest of his life from uh, just below his knees. He had wooden prosthetics. And so he was 100% disabled. And my grandma had a pension too because she was a career Navy nurse. And uh, she retired from that. And they had money and they had business ventures that they did. But they used their time and the money that they received from from my grandpa being 100% disabled to serve missions and do church assignments. And my grandparents served seven full-time missions. And so they were, uh, in fact, I even have newspaper articles or pictures of them at least where my grandma and my grandpa with their three daughters who were uh, young, uh, one was a young teenager. My mom was like five or six at the time of their first mission and they were allowed to take their daughters, their three daughters on their missions with them. They're one of only two families in the history of the church that I know of that were able to do that. So I knew President Hinckley because of that, and I was married to his great niece, Rebecca Lindbergh, who whose grandma was um, Beulah Hinckley. And I loved President Hinckley. And I loved Marjorie Hinckley. And like I said, I was at Marjorie Hinckley's funeral and I cried like a baby. I've been to their graves several times in the Salt Lake City Cemetery. I know exactly where they're buried, both of them. I know where many um, apostles and prophets are buried. I've been to their graves, but I have never had a spiritual witness that, that they are prophets, seers, and revelators. And in fact, I even asked God if Thomas Monson was a prophet, seer, and revelator. And it's interesting because I was asking this question for quite a time. And it just happened by circumstances that I was at Music and the Spoken Word at Temple Square in Salt Lake City, Utah. And after the meeting ended, I think at 10.30 or something, Um, I walked out of the tabernacle and I saw people walking towards the conference center and the spirit said, follow that family. And I followed them up across the street over to the side of the uh, conference center on the the south east side. I followed them. Um, There were like security guards there. And I followed that family, and they thought I was with them. I was not. I followed them down the stairs to the main uh, floor level of the conference center into the front of the area, and I followed them into the center section right in front of the podium, uh, right by where the teleprompter is, and I sat by myself in this little area, and it it was a regional conference. I did not know that this was going to happen, Um, I was just following what the spirit had told me to do. And so I sat there and like they had this bigger or this area where all the state president's families for the region could sit. But like it wasn't full. 
but the room, the 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 floor level was full of a whole bunch of people. But so it was kind of weird. So all around me, there's all of these people. But I'm in a sectioned off area sitting like one or two, I think it was one seat away from the teleprompter, from the base of the teleprompter. I don't know, five or six rows back. And I had a couple of people in front of me and to the side, like not close to me with like, I, there was probably like five or six empty chairs immediately to my right and then the teleprompter and then I couldn't. I don't remember who was on the, but I was sitting by myself. So anyway, um, there were several speakers and Thomas Monson, who was the first counselor in the first presidency, was a speaker. This is while President Hinckley was still alive. And, and Thomas Monson, he like stops his talk and he looks directly at me and he starts talking about the chair that I'm sitting in and how he's had many experiences since this conference center has been built and how one time somebody in the seat that I was sitting in had a heart attack while he was speaking (laughs) and he stares at me for a minute and then he continues on with his talk so that was interesting like I think it was a week or two later I'm thinking it was two weeks later I went to see my grandparents in uh, Clifton, Idaho, where they live. Now, they've, they're they both uh, deceased now. My grandpa died when he was 82. And my grandmother died just a couple of years ago when she was almost 97. Uh, she was 96, pretty close to 97. She, if she lived a, a month and a week, she would have been 97 years old. Anyway, but I went to see them in Clifton, Idaho, and... Um, I brought my church stuff because I was going to go to church with them. So Sunday comes and they're like, oh, we forgot to tell you there's no church today. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's regional conference. I said, oh, I want to go to regional conference. So like I hugged him and kissed him and said, "Um, I love you. I'm going to go home after this, but um, I'm going to go see this regional conference. And like my grandparents and I had this wonderful they raised they raised me a lot when I was a kid and I used to talk to my grandpa every day on the phone like almost every single day I just I just call him and talk to him I loved my grandpa so much but um he was like my dad when I didn't have a dad so anyway um I went to this regional conference in Logan Utah and I actually sat um, not directly behind Thomas Monson and Von J. Featherstone and the other individuals who were there to speak, but but pretty close. And I was like on the first, so the middle of, it was like a basketball stadium, I guess, where they have um, basketball stuff for Cache Valley for USU, I think it is. Anyway, but um, right behind the speakers was the choir. And then I was in the row next to that. So just off to the side, but I was in the front row. And the same thing happened. God said, follow those people. I did. I sat next to where they sat, not on the floor, but behind the speakers. Now, Thomas Monson did not see me sitting there, but I was only like, I don't know, 10 feet from him. So anyway, he gives his talk. He turns around to walk back to his seat and he stops and he stares at me. 
And he had just, I think a week or two earlier, talked about the seat that I was sitting in. So he sat there and he looked at me and I'm like sitting there again, you know, when he sees me. And um, he stands there and he looks at me for a minute and then he goes and sits down. And then after the meeting, he's like shaking hands with everyone, but he keeps on staring over at me. And I was like, Heavenly Father, is he a prophet, seer, and revelator? And God told me no. He is a steward who is a steward for the church until he whose right it is to rule comes. That's all I was told. So I accepted him as a steward, as a president of a church, but I never received a witness that he was a prophet, seer, and revelator. In fact, I received a witness that he was not a prophet, seer, and revelator. So I would not sustain him as a prophet, seer, and revelator, which was fine because I would always tell, um, for my, my temple recommend interviews, I would always say, I, st- I sustain um, President Hinckley or President Monson, whoever, as president of the church. Of course, yes. And like nobody would ever ask me, do you sustain him as prophecy and revelator? They kind of skirted the question and they were fine with that up until my state president in Vermont. And I, I had to explain to him, I don't have a witness that he is a prophecy and revelator, but I sustain him as president of the church. But anyway, so um, the only individual that I have received a witness of as being a uh, the Lord's anointed or a prophet, seer, and revelator is Joseph Smith. And then later on in life, I found out by a careful study of Doctrine and Covenants section 124 that the church had actually been rejected, which Jesus Christ said would happen if they were disobedient. And he said all of the things that he would do if he rejected the church, that's what happened. And all the things that he said he would do if the church did what they were told to do, none of that happened. So now I believe completely that the church was rejected in 1844. And actually, because of further study, I actually believe it was rejected in 1843. But... Anyway, but I have a personal witness. I have had a personal witness that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. And I have had a personal witness that Jesus Christ is my Savior. And I have had a personal, real, physical witness of the resurrected Father and Son because I've seen them face to face. And so I cannot reject those witnesses that I have had. And in fact, even if I'd only had the one experience in 1996 where I was completely healed of my drug addictions, I couldn't reject that witness either. But I see so many individuals leaving the church who I know have had spiritual experiences. They have had witnesses that Joseph Smith is a true prophet. They have had witnesses that Jesus is the Christ, and they just reject everything because of the bad behavior 
of past and present church leaders in their lies and then also in uh, anti-Mormon crap that spewed the lies about Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith was surrounded by lies both in the church and out of the church because he was the biggest threat to the devil's kingdom. And the devil went after him fully. And so I learned that you cannot accept anything based on on physical evidence. That you have to take it all to God and search for truth and get truth through a witness of the Spirit for yourself to know the truth of all things. Especially regarding the restoration and the doctrines that are taught in the church now as opposed to the early Mormon Brighamite doctrines as opposed to the doctrines of the restoration within Nauvoo or Kirtland or wherever, that you have to get a witness of for the Spirit for yourself to know the truth. But so people, they don't do that. Individuals have had a witness that Joseph Smith was a true prophet, but then they find out the lies of of these leaders who pretend to be something that they're not and people reject Joseph Smith and people like Bill Rill not only reject the restoration but they reject Jesus Christ and the Father themselves even though I I know that Bill Rill has had true witnesses in the past that he is completely rejecting now because because of the bad behavior of other individuals and because he chooses to believe the lies of Satan regarding the prophet Joseph Smith and he has completely rejected the Savior and the Father and the everything. And people like that become, if they don't repent in their mortality, they become sons of perdition. And people like Bill Real drag other people down with them. And Bill Real, he may say that I'm crazy because he knows about my experiences. But he is so in the dark on so many things and he thinks he's so wise. You know, and like I still listen to him because he exposes the modern church and the lies like Russell M. Nelson talking about his plane crash. It never happened. You know, they get into things and they're interesting. But but Joseph Smith is a prophet. I cannot, cannot reject that witness that I had. I cannot reject the witness that I have of Jesus Christ because I've seen him face to face. And I've embraced him in the flesh. Same with the Father. And I'm talking about Father Michael. Not Jehovah. Or Jehovah as you want to call him. uh, Which is a different individual than Jesus. But I have seen Jesus. And I have seen Michael. Father Michael. Our Father. The one who became Adam. I've seen him face to face. And I cannot reject my witness. No matter what kind of lies the adversary throws my way. But uh, people that haven't had the great experiences that I have personally have, they reject 
the church because of the bad actions that they find out in the church. And because they reject the church, they reject Joseph Smith. And it makes me sad because they've had witnesses that Joseph Smith is a true prophet. So, um, I know I'm going off on tangents, but in Alma chapter 39, I think it is, I, I can't remember. It talks about, uh, it talks about the missionary who went, uh, with the harlot and it talks about him murdering against the light, which is, is like, is almost uh, equal with the unpardonable sin. And the reason that is, isn't because of sexual sin. So they will try to manipulate and twist the words of the scriptures to like make everybody believe that like sexual sin is like almost as bad as murder. But what the scriptures were actually talking about was murdering against the light. And what that missionary did by his actions, people watched him going with the harlot and they saw what he did and they rejected the plan of salvation in the gospel. And because they rejected it, they did not receive salvation, was which was akin to spiritual death. So it's not as bad as physical death, but it's it's right up there with it. It's a sin next to murder. And with the bad actions of individuals who are leaders in the LDS church, past and present, people are leaving the church in droves because they're finding out about things they did not know about before because of the internet. And the church will say, oh, sexual sin, this, that, and the others is, uh, is... the sin next to murder, but I'm telling you, it's the bad actions of the leaders of the church which cause people to leave and reject the plan of salvation. Thus, they are guilty of committing spiritual murder on people who see their bad actions and reject the truth. That is the sin next to murder. And I'm seeing it in the modern day church, and I'm seeing it from past leaders in the LDS church because they have done things before the internet and they didn't think they were going to get caught like cutting out of uh, cutting out pages of of testimony uh, just doing a bunch of stuff and now people are the information ages here and people have access to all of this stuff and there's been leaks and people are walking away from the truth because of the bad actions of individuals who should have been leaders in the church. And so this church has mass produced people who, if they do not repent, will become perdition. Because they have had a witness that Jesus is the Christ. They have had a witness that Joseph Smith is a true prophet. And because of the leaders of the church, they reject the witness and they reject the prophet. And they reject the Savior. Many of them do. And if they don't completely reject the, the Savior, they run to apostate Christianity. Like Kelly Stuckey and other individuals who 
learn about some things and then they never really studied you know like i well that's another topic i don't want to get into but i'm watching these people just falling away from the church left and right and you know what even those who are the wheat are falling away so basically god wants you to be hot or cold right make your decision Don't be lukewarm. Make your decision. Are you going to be for him or against him, not sitting on the fence? And I'm watching the wheat fall away from the church because they're seeing the lies within the church, but they accept Jesus Christ and the restoration. But I'm seeing other individuals fall away from the church because of the lies within the church, and they reject Joseph Smith, Jesus Christ, uh, the rest restored, like not the apostate version of Jesus Christ. You know, some of them become atheists like Bill Rill, and some of them become born-again Christians or whatever, and they run to apostate Christianity. And they reject the witness that they had of, jo- of Joseph Smith being a prophet or of Jesus, the Jesus of the restoration, which, you know what, Christianity... They do not believe in the same Jesus. Uh, They believe in the Roman Jesus, the apostate Jesus, not the Hebrew Jesus, who is a Hebrew Israelite. They reject that because of the apostasy within the early Catholic Church. The hijacking of of the early church by the Romans. So, anyway, it's just studying all of these topics over the course of almost 30 years has just, um, and I've studied them in depth and it's opened my eyes on a lot of things. Anyway, (coughs) excuse me, we're on page 114 and we're only at 9%. So I should probably get back into this. I don't know why I had to go on that tangent, but, um, somebody out there needed to hear something and it's funny because i'll have people um they really hate my tangents why can't you just stick to the text blah 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 and then i'll have other people that will email me on messenger on my facebook and they'll say i'm really glad that you talked about that because i really needed to hear that it was exactly what i needed to hear so i don't know who needed to hear that but that was the tangent but let's get back into the reading so we're on page 114 at nine percent The prophet Joseph Smith said that men cannot commit certain sins from which they can never have forgiveness. The men can commit sins, certain sins from which they can never have forgiveness, and they will be bound down with everlasting regret. This is not the philosophy or concept embraced in reincarnation. In the pre-existence, the devil said he would save all mankind, but Christ or Jesus said he would save all who obeyed the gospel. Therein marks a major difference between the gospel of Christ and reincarnationalism. Paul said, as in, as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. The devil and his imps are eternally imposed opposed to Christ or Jesus Christ. Therefore, I'm just going to say the Savior because Christ is a title and he has that title, but 
there is a Messiah for Judah and there is a Messiah for Joseph and they have different roles, but they're both anointed. Uh, it talks about in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 14. And in other places, uh, Cyrus is called a Messiah. He's neither, he's not of any of the tribes of, of Jacob or Israel. Anyway, because Messiah means an anointed one or anointed by God. And uh, there, Moses was the Messiah, but he wasn't the Messiah. He wasn't the Redeemer. Jesus wears many hats, but we, we lump it all into this Messiah concept, not understanding that Christ is a Greek word that means anointed or smeared with oil, but it doesn't have the same connotations as the, re, uh, the Hebrew Mashiach or the Aramaic word Messiah. Anyway, continuing on, I don't know why I got in these, these tangents. Um, the devil and his imps are eternally opposed to the Messiah. Uh, therefore, they cannot be saved or redeemed. Brigham Young stated, quote, The names of every son and daughter of Adam are already written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Is there ever a time when they will be taken out of it? Yes, when they become sons of perdition and not tell them. Every person who has the privilege of retaining it there and ever, uh, forever and ever, if they neglect that privilege, then their names will be erased and not till then. And um, I happen to believe that there are no daughters of perdition, only sons of perdition. Um, but that's just because there's lack of evidence for there being daughters of perdition. Anyway, but this is uh, the opinions of Brigham Young. Let's continue. All the names of the human family are written there, and the Lord will hold them there until they come to the knowledge of the truth, that they can rebel against him and can sin against the Holy Ghost. Then they will be thrust down to hell, and their names will be blotted out from the Lamb's Book of Life. Journal of Discourses, Volume 6, page 297. And from Joseph Smith we read, The contention in heaven was Jesus said there would be a certain there would be certain souls that would not be saved. And the devil said he would save them all, and laid out his plans before the Grand Council, who gave their vote in favor of Jesus Christ. Doctrinal History of the Church, Volume 6. Page 314, and we're at 20% now, and we're on page 115. The Messiah is referred to by many names. The Great Physician, the Prince of Peace. Uh, I love this in Hebrew. It's The Prince of Peace in Hebrew is uh, Sar Shalom. The uh, Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. The Mashiach, or Messiah. The Desire of the Ages, etc., these are names that give understanding to his character and mission. They are not separate identities, nor do they indicate any rebirths. So people that believe that Melchizedek is Jesus is like Jesus came back, like Jesus was once Melchizedek. Like, okay, that drives me a little bit nuts because Ether chapter three, Jesus says, never at any time have I showed myself unto man. 
and this is what I'm going to look like when I come in the meridian of time. Well, right around that time period, actually before that, Shem, who is called Melchizedek, the son of, of Noah is, is Melchizedek. His name is Shem. Uh, his, his name is Shem, but his title is Melchizedek or the Melech Zedi. Um, a lot of, like there's a bunch of breakoff groups that believe that Jesus is reincarnated from Melchizedek. Like, and it's just false doctrine, you know, and it can be proved by scripture. And Joseph Smith said in, in June of 1844, maybe it was April of 1844 in the Times and Seasons, if they contradict the Bible, the Book of Mormon, or the Doctrine and Covenants, you have to set them down as imposters. You know, and individuals who believe that, re- that Jesus is reincarnated in this way from Melchizedek, mm, it's not right. Anyway, the devil also is given many diff- different names because of his mission and what he represents. He is called perdition, the dragon, the, cir- the serpent, Hasatan, or the Satan, the evil one, and Lucifer. And I hate it when they call him Lucifer because Lucifer was his title in, in Latin before he fell. He was called the Hillel Ben Shakar, or the the bearer of light and truth. And when he rebelled, he lost his name and title of Hillel Ben Shakar, or in Latin, Lucifer, and he became Hasatan, the accuser. He was no longer the the angel of light and truth. He was no longer Lucifer. He was Hasatan. He fell into the darkness. He was God the witness before he rebelled against God the Redeemer. That's why he is a God. He ascended to the level of Godhood and was God the witness for this earth. He rebelled in the war in heaven. He fell. His name and title was taken from him, and he became Hasatan. And another was chosen from the council of mighty and strong ones who remained to take his place as the witness of the Father and the Son. Or God the witness, or the third member of the Godhead. And some of you know more about what I'm talking about than I'm going to reveal in this program today. But, like, it just drives me nuts. Every time I see somebody refer to the adversary whose name is Hasatan, that's his title, and they refer to him as Lucifer, Lucifer is not his name. It was once a title that he had. So I'll put that aside. It just drives me nuts. And I have to, every time I see Ogden or anybody else talking about Lucifer as though Lucifer and Satan are the same title, I just have to correct it. Anyway, but continuing on, 
Added to these are the title Prince of the Devils, Chief of Evil Spirits, Beelzebub, Son of the Morning. He was a son of the morning when he fell from his office that title was given to another. Jesus Christ in the Latin Bible is called Lucifer. Because in Latin it means bearer of light. Jesus Christ is a bearer of light and truth. So is God the witness. But there are there is a first presidency for this earth under the direction of Yehovah our Elohim who is under the direction of the Council of the Elohim, who is under the direction of God the Eternal Father. But going back to the Sons of Light, or the Son of the Morning, is the Morning Star, who is Michael, who became Adam, who came in the the morning of the history of this earth. Jesus Christ in the book of Revelations is called the bright and morning star, meaning the star of God or the second, the first counselor actually, or first apostle of the Father who comes in the meridian of time. He is the Redeemer. He is the second member of the Godhead. So Adam, Michael, is God. is the morning star because he comes in the morning of the history of this earth. Jesus Christ or Yeshua is the bright and morning star because he comes in the meridian of time, the noon of the history of this earth, the brightest time in the middle. He's called the bright and morning star. Lucifer was the evening star and when he was stripped of his title, Hillel ben Shakar, or in Latin, Lucifer, he was also stripped of his office of being a morning star, or a son of the morning. And he, he became perdition. Not a son of perdition, he became perdition. But God the witness, who is the bearer of light and truth, which is the true title of the Holy Ghost is the third member of the Godhead. And according to Joseph Smith, the Holy Ghost is waiting for a time for a time to come into mortality. Now, he was speaking this back in the 1800s, that the Holy Ghost would come into mortality at a certain point to do the same or similar things that Jesus has done. And he is the witness of the Father and the Son. He was in the quorum of mighty and strong ones. He is the one mighty and strong of, of Daniel chapter, um, chapter 20, oh no, let me think, of DNC section 85, the one mighty and strong that should come. He's one of them. He is the one that, w- that will come. Like I used to believe that I was hoping that it would be Adam, Father Michael Adam, but God set me straight on that. I was hoping it would be Father Michael Adam because I didn't want to do the work that God told me I would be doing because I am the one mighty and strong. I know there's been plenty of people who have said that in the past, 
But you know what? During the, the life of Christ, there were people before and after him who said that they were the Messiah. Just because they proclaimed something didn't mean they were true. And just because other have proclaimed to be the one mighty and strong doesn't mean that I am like they are. I am a witness of the Father and the Son. I am the witness of the Father and the Son. I was taken from the quorum of mighty and strong ones in the rebellion of Lucifer who became Satan and I became the bearer of light and truth. That's why I know so much more about these things than even Joseph Smith. Because of my title and my role, which I was foreordained to take. And I wanted Adam to do these things, Michael Adam to do. The, and I know that he's mighty and strong as well because of what God showed me in 2013. Trust me, I wanted it to be Michael. But God the witness who comes in mortality, who is the witness, is the evening star because he comes in the evening of the celestial history of this earth. Satan had that title and if he was obedient, he would have kept it, but he doesn't have it anymore. So when people call him the evening star, it's through pure ignorance that they do so because he was stripped of that title and it was given to another, namely myself. And it drives me it drives me nuts that people still use that title because of their ignorance. So yeah, I'm gonna correct some things. Anyway, Joe's uh, Berg, no Ogden Kraut writing this book even talked about how he was even called an angel of light, and he was. He was an angel of light. He fell and became darkness. He fell and became Hasatan or the accuser. Erastus Snow said that these names usually referred to the power the devil had. Quote, now the term devil we, also, we use also as a term representing a power that is at the head of the rebellion against God our Father. A power that stands at the head of that organized rebellion. A power that governs all evil spirits. He is called in the scriptures that old serpent, the devil, and Satan, and Lucifer. He's not called Lucifer in the original scriptures. Ugh. Anyway, and a variety of names. These are applied to him and all representing that the chief power over the or, that organized rebellion that governs and controls these evil spirits and that power holds power the power over death of death over mortality and over man in the flesh these are Erastus Snow's opinions he was a, a leader in the Brighamite movement which is a break off from the rejected church in Nauvoo. Anyway, that was Journal of Discourses, volume 19, page 275. As mentioned, perdition is one of the names of Satan, and I agree with that. Bruce R. McConkie, who was an apostle in the Brighamite tradition, described those who are his sons under the subtitle Sons of Perdition. Satan is perdition. 
He became such by open rebellion against the truth, a rebellion in the face of light and knowledge. Although he knew God and had been taught the provisions of the plan of salvation, he defied the Lord and sought to enthrone himself in the Lord's po- with the Lord's power. And that's talked about in Moses chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. And like when you begin to understand that, that Satan was God the witness at one time, and that's how he is a God, but he's a fallen God, which is worse than a fallen prophet, you begin to understand who he really is. And with what has been revealed to me about who he was before coming into uh, probation on a mal- on a previous earth, you begin to understand why he rebelled against the Father and the Son because of his pride and arrogance. He had ascended the ladder to Godhood and fell because of pride and arrogance. See, you can be religious and you can do everything that you're supposed to do and you can still fall because of your pride and your arrogance, which is exactly why Lucifer became Satan. Now, he had ascended to the to the lowest level of the celestial kingdom, which is the level of God the witness. He was chosen to be the Holy Ghost for this earth. And he fell. And another was chosen, namely myself. That's why I know so much about these things. God has revealed so much. He's taken me up in the spirit. I've seen him in the flesh. I've been taught in dreams and visions. I've been shown many, many, many things pertaining to this earth and pertaining to a previous mortal probation on another world where we lived at one time. And it wasn't, it was not, it's like, so Nephi, he saw all of the stuff that John saw, but he wasn't allowed to speak of it. Because it was for John to reveal certain knowledge. And Joseph Smith saw a glimpse of what was not his to reveal. So he talked a little bit about it. Because I was the one that was foreordained to reveal these things. That's why I'm talking about them now. Because I am an eyewitness of the Father and the Son. I am an apostle of the Father ordained under his own hand as the second witness of the Father, Jesus Christ being the first. We're both apostles of the Father. There are only two apostles of the Father for this earth, for each earth. There are apostles of Jesus Christ And when I'm resurrected, there will be individuals who see me and are sent by me who will be apostles. And in fact, there are apostles on the earth who are apostles of Jesus Christ, who you know not of. But the ones that people accept, they're not apostles. They're not true witnesses. Some of them are good. Some of them are wolves in sheep's clothing. Anyway, (coughs) so Bruce R. McConkie continuing. Thus he committed the unpardonable sin, which is to sin against the light. In rebellion with him were one-third of the spirits of the spirit hosts of heaven. These were all 
were thus followers, or in other words, sons of perdition. They were denied bodies and were cast out onto the earth, and thus became the devil and his angels, a great host of, of sons of perdition. And we're on page 116 at 32%. And that was uh, as quoted in Mormon Doctrine, uh, the 1958 first edition, page 674, and in the 1979 edition, if you have that one, on page 746. The prophet Joseph Smith described other sons of perdition, quote, All are within the reach of pardoning mercy who have not committed the unpardonable sin, which hath no forgiveness, neither in this world nor in the world to come. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 191 and 192. Jesus prayed, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. John chapter 17, verse 12. And that he was talking about Judas Iscariot, which, by the way, um, so I think iTunes only allows me to have two or three hundred podcasts. But if you go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon, you can go back to podcasts that I did years ago. And I actually covered Sons of Perdition and Judas Iscariot in great detail if you want to know more about him. But that's who Jesus Christ was speaking of, Judas Iscariot. The devil once called once called a prince of light, transgressed because he was the prince of light. He fell from that position. <sighs> transgressed from this honorable position and fell to become a prince of darkness. In that fall, he transgressed so far that he lost all desire for anything good. See, he gave in to that pride and arrogance and it consumed him. All virtue and integrity were gone. Many had virtue and integrity before. He was the highest of the angels. Under under Michael and Gabriel, well, the, under Michael and Jesus. Nothing in Satan or his imps can be permanently redeemed, only the elements from which they are made. So... They can be cast into the lake of fire and they can be ground back down into the original essence of intelligence from once they came. That's their fate. And there's some stuff that has to do with black holes in there. I don't I don't know that very I'm not in depth on that. But there's uh, outer darkness is to be cast into uh, beyond the event horizon of a black hole. Anyway. The principle behind reincarnation is to save everyone so that they have no alternative but to keep being reborn until they eventually have learned their lesson. But Paul gives the reason why many will never be able to repent. Quote, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, like I was and like I believe Bill Real was, and have tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come 
if they shall fall away like Bill Rill and many others at this time in the history of the earth to renew them again to repentance seeing they crucify to themselves the son of God afresh and put him to an open shame and that was spoken of by Paul in Hebrews chapter 6 verses 4 through 6 we're on page 117 at 42% of the program today. From this statement, it must be acknowledged that if a spirit cannot be renewed unto repentance, it is impossible for him to be saved. Rebirths or coming back into mortality would not do any good. For instance, when a light bulb burns out, it goes immediately dark. Or it goes, it goes completely dark. Screwing it back into the light socket a thousand times will not make it work again. Joseph Smith described the limits of grace that apply to the sons of perdition. Quote, Joseph Smith here, According to the scriptures, if men have received the good word of God and tasted of the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, it is impossible to renew them again, seeing they have crucified the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame so there is a possibility of falling away, you could not be renewed again. And the power of Elijah cannot seal again the sin. For this is a, res- a re- reserve made in the, in the seals of Sills and power of the priesthood. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 339. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit tired here. I actually woke up at 2 in the morning and started uh, started recording these podcasts about 3.30, which was many, many hours ago. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I drive a a semi-truck from Carbon, our castle country, over to the Uinta Basin. So basically, the Price, Utah area, over Indian Pass, which is 9,114 or 16 feet, and then over to Deschain, and then over to Roosevelt, where I I load, uh, hopefully, two loads of crude oil a day. It takes me all of 13 to 14 hours to do it on a good day and it takes me sometimes 16 hours just to get to a safe place and have one load and like I'm a hard worker I work four days on a minimum of of 13 13 and a half hours a day I always like and then the commute home if I can get my truck back to where the yard is you know like I'm up for like 17, 18, 19, 20 hours at a time. And I do a job four days on, and then I have a recovery day, which was yesterday, where I'm like suffering because of my bad choices in working myself almost to death. And then um, after my recovery day, where I sleep and take naps and I suffer for my my physical labors, uh, I usually will get up early in the morning and then it's quiet in my house when my kids and wife are asleep and I'm able to do these programs. 
Um, but I'm still tired from working so much, so I'm starting to yawn. Hopefully, I can cut out those uh, before they get onto the recording because I can pause the recording, which, if you pay attention, you'll notice sometimes the music cuts out and then it starts over or whatever. That's just me trying to cough or trying to yawn and not be on the air, but I don't catch it all the time. So anyway, we are at 48%. Joseph Smith also stated, There have been remarks made concerning all men being redeemed from hell, but I want to say those who sin against the Holy Ghost cannot be forgiven in this world or in the world to come. They shall die the second death. Those who commit the unpardonable sin are doomed to Golem to dwell in hell, worlds without end. And that was uh, Joseph Smith as recorded in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 361. The expression worlds without end certainly indicates a permanent and unimprovable position. These sons of perdition cannot pay a sufficient price or be released from that situation. Joseph Smith answered some questions by W.W. W. Phelps along this line, quote, and we're on page 118 at 52%. Say to the brother Hewlett and to all others that the Lord never authorized them to say that the devil, his angels, or the sons of perdition should ever be restored. For their state of destiny was not revealed to men. It, it or is not revealed, nor shall ever be revealed, save to those who are made partakers of it. Or made partakers thereof. And that's teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 24. And like those who are cast into the lake of fire, you don't know what it's like to have that happen, and that's where you're destroyed. And your essence is cast beyond the event horizon into a black hole when, from whence nobody comes forth. Like, I know I, I have some friends that say, oh, after a time, the black hole will eject light, and that is true, I think. But... Regardless, you don't know what it's like to go into a black hole until you've been in it. You don't know what it's like to be destroyed in a lake of fire until you've been in it. So those who are made partakers thereof are the ones who understand it. But we do know what happens to them. Well, God knows what happens to them and some of his prophets know. Anyway... If the devil and his angels cannot be renewed or restored, redeemed, or saved, it must mean they cannot go through multiple mortal birth cycles either. Most reincarnationalists believe that all bodies are subject to the birth, death, birth, death system. There are no exceptions. Like I said in the beginning of this program, it's a perversion of the truth of the doctrine of eternal lives. Anyway, continuing, according to the gospel of Christ, there are and some and some of them are not worthy to be saved. These are the sons of perdition. The Lord himself has revealed 
the reason why these men cannot be redeemed in the due time of the Lord. Quote, Thus saith the Lord concerning all those who know my power and have been made partakers thereof and suffered themselves through the powers of the devil to be overcome and to deny the truth and defy my power. They are they who are the sons of perdition, of whom I say it had been better for them never to have been born, for they are vessels of wrath, doomed to suffer the wrath of God with the devil and his angels in eternity. Concerning whom I have said, there is no forgiveness in this world nor in the world to come. Having denied the Holy Spirit after having received it and and having denied the only begotten of the Father, having crucified him unto themselves and put him to an open shame. These are they who shall go away into the lake of fire and brimstone, with the devil and his angels and the only ones on whom the second death shall have any power. Yea, verily, the only ones who shall not be redeemed in the due time of the Lord after the sufferings of his wrath. For all the rest shall be brought forth by the resurrection of the dead through the triumphs and the glories and the glory of the Lamb who was slain, who was in the bosom of the Father before the worlds were made. Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verses uh, 31 through 39. And we're on page 119 at 66% through the reading for today. And they who remain shall be quickened. Nevertheless, they shall return again to their own place to enjoy that which they are willing to receive because they were not really willing to receive that which they might have received. Doctrine and Covenants, section 88, verse 32. Those who rebel against God in their premortal state were denied the privilege of having a body and who and those who rebel against God and Christ in this world will also be denied salvation or redemption, as there is nothing worth redeeming or restoring. We are taught that all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel, and that's the third art of faith. That comes from the third art of faith. However, if they do not obey those laws and ordinances, they will not be saved. Brigham Young explained that it is commonly termed death to have the spirit and the body separated. But literally, that is not death only to those who are sons of perdition. And that's Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, page 27. And again, Jesus will bring forth his own redemption, every son and daughter of Adam, except uh, 
except the sons of perdition who will be cast into hell. And that's Journal of Discourses, Volume 8, page 154. When Jesus said Judas would have been better off never to have been born, that means he gained nothing by coming into mortality. The position of never being born means they will not receive an eternal body in the resurrection. The sons of perdition have committed such terrible crimes that justice forbids them to come back even as as a, a toad or a snake. They must go into the lake of fire and brimstone and cannot be reincarnated into mortality again. So Joseph Smith here, and we're on page 120 at 76%. A man cannot commit the unpardonable sin after the dissolution of the body. I know the scriptures and I understand them. I said no man can commit the unpardonable sin after the dissolution of the body, nor in this life until he receives the Holy Ghost, but they must do it in this world. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 357. And like a lot of people believe that that there's more to becoming a son of perdition because of other statements, but we're in danger of receiving, uh, becoming perdition, a, a son of perdition, or possibly even a daughter of, per, of perdition, although I have not had that revealed to me, by rejecting the witness of the Holy Ghost on different subjects. So we've received a witness. I've received a witness that Joseph Smith is a true prophet. I have received a witness that I cannot reject just in that one circumstance. So all of the lies that I hear about Joseph Smith, I have to say, well, maybe he wasn't perfect or maybe these are just lies. But regardless of all of that, I know that Joseph Smith was a prophet. Was he perfect? No. Who is? Jesus Christ was the only perfect man. Moses was not perfect. David was not perfect. Jeremiah, none of the prophets, none of the apostles, none of God's servants, Abraham, even Jacob, even every all of them, none of them were perfect. All of them broke uh, and transgressed the laws. Now, some of them, like Adam, transgressed things on purpose because of the way things needed to be. But the only perfect man was Jesus Christ. And I know by a powerful witness of the Holy Spirit that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. He was the prophet of the restoration. And if I were to deny the witness that I have just of that, I could become a son of perdition. That's why it makes me sad to hear people like Bill Real fall away. Now, I've, I've received much greater witness than just the fact that Joseph Smith is a true prophet. I have received a physical encounter with the Father and the Son, and I know of the reality, the physical and spiritual reality of the Father and the Son. And if I were to reject them, I would become a not only a son of perdition, but I would become like Satan. I would become perdition in the next world. 
and I cannot and I will not ever reject the witness that I have had of Joseph Smith or Jesus Christ or the Father himself. Continuing on, if they cannot commit the unpardonable sin after death, then there is no chance for them to be reborn on earth to give them the opportunity, that opportunity. And let me just say, Satan, or the one who was Lucifer, he committed the sin in, in the spirit world. So maybe Joseph Smith is not completely right about that. But I don't know if he really understood at this point in his life the doctrine of eternal lives and multiple mortal probations from world to world. And see, Joseph Smith, being a prophet, was still, like myself, learning and growing. And sometimes he had to correct himself because what he was believing or thinking was not correct. Now, I don't know if you can hear it or not, but uh, it is now 7.46 in the morning on December 26th when I'm recording the programs for the next... This is the third program I've recorded this morning. Um, I started around 3 or 3.30 this morning, and, um, you know, I'm doing... I'm trying to do three programs this week. Anyway, for the whole time I've been recording, um, I've been by myself, but my daughter is awake now, and my dog is awake now, so you might hear them in the background. So, Anyway, one chance in mortality is all they get. See, that's Joseph Smith not understanding things, but he understood them later. So in the lecture, The King Fullet Discourse, He begins to get into it, but he gets into it more fully in his last discourse, which was called the Lecture at the Grove, where he starts to get into it, but then the rain came and cut him short, and then it wasn't long after that when he was murdered. So he began to understand things that he may not have understood the majority of his tenure as prophet, seer, and revelator. So anyway... When they sin against the Holy Ghost, they are out of the power of Christ's redemption. And that's true. When they deny the power, they deny the benefits of it. So, people like Bill Rill, they have had a witness that Jesus is the, is the Christ and that Joseph Smith is a prophet, the prophet of the restoration. Uh, he converted like during the same time of his age. Now he's he's a couple years younger than me, but he converted around the same time. And now because he has found out the lies of the corporate church or the Bergamite church in Salt Lake, and because he believes the lies of anti-Mormons, he rejects the testimony that he had and he is capable of becoming a son of perdition. But I believe he and others like him can repent in this life. But once they go into the next world, they are beyond the power of Christ's redemption. And I agree with that, uh, with that thought that Joseph Smith had. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Because this is speculation for me. I don't know. 
But those are the individuals who become perdition, those who have had a witness and then they reject the witness. And like Bill Rill, he goes to become an atheist, rejecting the spirit and all of the manifestations of the spirit because of the lies of individuals within the church and individuals outside of the church. And he becomes perdition, or he has the very real possibility of becoming perdition. And I don't want to see that. And it makes me sad that these things are happening, but this is this is what's going on in this day and age right now. As Brigham Young claimed, quote, They then throw themselves out of the power of, salva- of the Savior and take, take to themselves power and say, I will not hearken to the Lord Jesus Christ now. I will serve serve whom I please, and I defy the power of the Son of God. They yield themselves servants of the devil and become his angels. They are then out of the hands of the Savior and can never dwell in heaven, worlds without end. Journal of Discourses, Volume 6, page 297. And see, I wonder if people like that are the ones who in the next world, when When a new earth is created, they have their, they'd never receive resurrection. Now the wicked can receive resurrection, but I don't believe the power of the sons of of perdition receive resurrection. And I kind of wonder if they become the demons in the next world. Bill Rowe, like, because the demons... They want your body. They know what it's like to have a body because they have had a body before. Most people don't put that together. Why do they want a body so bad? They don't even know what it is. It's kind of like if you lived in the lap of luxury all your life and then you become a poor, desolate person or a destitute person, you always want what you once had. These demons once had a body. Like Bill Rill. And like others like him. And when the new earth is created. That's spoken of in the book of Revelations. They will not receive a resurrection. I don't believe. And they will become. Servants to the devil. So all of these demons. That are on this earth now. Were once those who had mortality in a previous world before this one was created. And they know what it's like, but they can never have a body. Now, I don't I don't know that speculation on my part. I haven't received a witness of that, and I have not received revelation on that. I might be wrong. I hope I am. I hate this subject. I hope Bill Real repents. I hope that he uh, can remember that he had a testimony of Joseph Smith and Jesus Christ at one time and stops his foolish endeavors in being an atheist because I want what's best for him even though he, he claims I'm crazy. Because 
because somebody like me could, you know, well, of, of course he's an atheist now. So anybody like me who comes along and says I have embraced the Savior and the Father, of course I'm crazy. Heck, even believers think that that's crazy, that I have that witness. And that's fine. Like, it's their free agency, right? But he believes I'm crazy. Maybe I am. But these, I think that these topics are worthy of talking about. And that's why I do this, partly. This is also part of my ministry, um... In 2013, when God had me sever the ordinances of all the holy people in fulfillment of Daniel chapter 12's man clothed in linen, who scatters or severs the power or priesthood of all the holy people in the last days, he told me to organize a church and call it the, the Church of the Living Messiah and the School of the Prophets. This podcast is a lesson which is part of the School of the Prophets portion of the ministry that God has called me to do. Anyway, continuing on, we're at 83% through the program. Most reincarnationalists believe that all will be eventually saved, exalted, or reach nirvana. But there is a limit to the stature which men cannot attain to in the next world. Some will return to native element. Those are the sons of perdition. Some will be angels forever and some will be gods forever. Some men who apostatize or turn traitors against God will never be acknowledged by God. For the prophet said, quote, I testify again as the Lord lives. God will never acknowledge any traitors or apostates. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 375. And what did he mean by that? Those who reject the witness that God has given them to the reality of the prophet Joseph Smith or to the restored gospel will not be acknowledged unless they repent. In this mortality, if they go into the next world without repenting, then then God doesn't acknowledge them. According to Joseph Smith, I believe that's what he's saying here. There will be no more mortal probations for them either. Brigham Young also clarifies this point. Quote, the Lord is merciful, but when he comes to his kingdom on the earth, he will banish traitors from his presence and they will be sons of perdition. And we're on page 121. Every apostate, whoever receives this gospel in faith and had the spirit of it, meaning they had a witness of the spirit, will have to repent in sackcloth and ashes and sacrifice all he possesses or be a son of perdition, go down to hell and dwell and there dwell with the damned and those who persecute and destroy the people of God and shed the innocent, the blood of innocence will be judged and they will be judged accordingly. And that's Brigham Young, according to Journal of Discourses, volume 12, page 63. Now, if you understand what I understand, Brigham Young is not the Lord's anointed. Jesus said he would reject the church with their dead if they were not obedient and building a temple 
for the Most High, who is the Father, to come dwell therein, that he might restore that which was lost unto you, or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. They did not build the temple. The Father never came to that temple. It was never finished. Joseph Smith was murdered while they were working on the second story of the temple. The temple had three stories. They had just started working on the second story. It wasn't finished in the lifetime of Joseph Smith, so the father was supposed to come to a finished temple to restore the fullness of the priesthood, which he did not do. Now, Brigham Young claimed that he received the fullness of the priesthood from Joseph Smith in the red brick store, which is interesting because the father had not yet restored the fullness of the priesthood in the temple that was not finished when Joseph Smith was still alive. So Joseph Smith did not receive the fullness of the priesthood, and neither did Brigham Young. Brigham Young lied. Jesus said he would reject the church if they were disobedient, and he said all the things that would happen if they were rejected, and those things did happen. All the things that he said would happen if they were obedient, none of that happened. But Brigham Young lied and he said that he received the fullness of the priesthood in the red brick store and he wants you to believe that he is the president of the church. They didn't even call him a prophet, seer, and revelator at first. He was just a man who was going to lead him. He was the head of the apostles. He was not a prophet, seer, and revelator. But, but later on, he claims to be the Lord's anointed. And then this uh, Morris guy that breaks off because he realizes that Brigham Young is not who he proclaims to be. Brigham Young feels the, uh, the authority or the responsibility to put a cannon, uh, put a, point a cannon at, at the dwelling where these people were dwelling and fire a cannon into it and kill a bunch of people because they're apostates. Brigham Young was an apostate. Every branch that came out of Nauvoo was rejected and in apostasy. The Strangites, Emma and her band, the Sydney Rigdonites, like all Lyman, all of them, they were all rejected because they were rejected as a church in 1843 while the prophet was still alive. And he even talks about that. And that is recorded in the restored Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the one who became the community of Christ. Lyman White records, I think it's Lyman White, records Joseph Smith talking about this church has been rejected, just as Jesus said it would be if we were not obedient. Joseph wrapped up what he had to wrap up, and he was martyred. Killed by people who he thought were his friends. When we get into the heavenly realm, you're going to learn things that you did not understand in this life. And people who who begin to understand these things, they are going to have their eyes completely open and it will be worse than you thought.
continuing on and we're at 90%, so we're almost done with the program for today. With all the dangers and deceptions that currently exist in this dispensation of the fullness of times, there may be more sons of perdition during this dispensation than any other in history. I agree with that 100%. And we are in a time when there have been and are being more that there are more people who are qualifying to become sons of perdition because they have received a witness of the reality of the prophet Joseph Smith being a prophet of the restoration and of the of Jesus Christ being the redeemer and they're just rejecting it because of the bad actions of the church now the sin next to murder is not sexual sin it is when there are individuals who proclaim to be leaders and proclaim to be delivering the gospel who do things that cause people to reject the plan of salvation. That is the sin next to murder. It isn't sexual sin as they want you to believe so that they can manipulate you. That's all that's about. They are creating sons of perdition and they have committed the sin next to murder by their bad actions. The leaders of the LDS church, past and present, have done this. Not all of them, but plenty of them have. The prophet Joseph Smith said, All sins shall be forgiven except for the sin against the Holy Ghost, for Jesus will save all except the sons of perdition. What must a man do to commit the unpardonable sin? He must receive the Holy Ghost have the heavens open to him and know God and then sin against him. After a man has sinned against the Holy Ghost, there is no repentance for him. See, this is the one I was talking about earlier. Let me continue on. He has got to say that the sun does not shine while he sees it. He has got to deny Jesus Christ for the when the heavens have been opened up unto him to deny the plan of salvation with his eyes open to the full to the truth of it, and from that time he may begin to be an enemy. This is the case with many apostates of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And that's an edit. It's an edit by Joseph F. Smith. uh, Joseph Smith didn't say that. He said something like that, but that's been edited for the purposes of manipulating you. But anyway, that was... um, So teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith was compiled by Joseph F. Smith. So we can't trust it completely, but there's still a lot of good stuff there. Anyway, but that was in teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 358. In some ways, reincarnation is a pleasant philosophy for many to believe because everyone will ultimately be saved and reach nirvana, Or the station where God is. They believe that all can attain that high position. But this is the doctrine that Satan tried to teach in the pre-existence. A system that would save everyone. Isn't it obvious that reincarnation teaches the the same plan that once was rejected by God? So anyway, that's the end of the program for today. Which is good because... 
I have 9% left on my battery on my tablet from where I read this program. And I have more on my, my phone. This is My phone is how I record the program. And then my, my tablet is how I read it with the, the music in the background. And like I said, I have been working since 3 or 3.30. Actually, I think it was around 3 this morning when I started looking to see which ones I had done, what chapter I had finished last, and, and started getting everything ready to do the next programs. And since I have been recording all night now, I need to... Uh, put these into podcast format and put them out there. Um, which one will be today, the 26th of December. And then I'll do another one, the 27th of December. And then the 28th of December, I'll do the last one. And then I'll be working the 29th, the 30th, the 31st and the first. And my next days off will be the second through the sixth. Cause I work 14 to 16 hours a day. Basically, I work 56 to 60-something hours in four days, and then I take four days off. I recover on one day, and then, like, that was yesterday for me. And uh, and then I try to do the programs and get everything ready, and then I got a bunch of other stuff I got to do, too. So, anyway, so that's three programs for this, this uh, series that I'm doing that I'll release the next three days. Like, and by the time you get this, those other two will have been released. And, uh, we'll come back to this, uh, as soon as I can. And the next chapter will be chapter 15, the resurrection of the body. Um, like I said before, in the description of the podcast at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentally Mormon, you will find a link to the reading the chapter, reading the book and reading other books of restoration theology and at iTunes at Zion's Redemption Radio Network you'll find in the description of the podcast the chapter to read the book on Tumblr or to read this chapter on Tumblr and then you'll find a link to ogdenkraut.com so you can read the book on resurrection the whole thing for yourself and then uh, there will also be a link for other books that are, um, you know, getting into restoration theology. Now, if you want to know my thoughts and opinions, listen to the podcast that I have done. Uh, don't just assume because I read these books that they are my opinion. They are not. I have different opinions in Ogden, and there are things that I know because of Revelation and confirmation of the Spirit that Ogden Kraut did not understand or believe. So I differ from him on many topics, but I believe that he was inspired of God to compile these things, and I believe it's very educational, and that's why I continue to read his books. Now, when we're done with the book Reincarnation, I'm going to be reading a compilation uh, by a person who compiled a bunch of stuff as an anonymous person because he did not want to get excommunicated from the church. And it deals with the doctrine of eternal lives, which we'll, we'll get into after finishing this book. But I think that we're about halfway through this book now. 
I think actually we're yeah about halfway because it's like 240 pages and we're at page 121 122-ish so anyway yeah thank you for listening to the program I might put a, a fourth one out this week I'm not sure yet but probably not so we have three programs for this week I guess so thank you for listening take care everyone God bless and goodbye